well, my mum wants someone to pray for her. And um, her mum was standing there and she was like shushing her. She was like, shh, stop it. Like, don't go and touch like this lady I don't know. Like, she had no idea who I was. And um, and I said to her, well, I can come and pray with your mum. And so I, I met her and um, introduced myself and I said, what would you like prayer for? And she said, we just don't, just don't have the money for groceries this week. And she was like, I said, okay. To my, in my head, I was like, you're in a supermarket. Um, in my fleshly being, that's what I thought. And um, I just felt God like tap on my heart and say I needed to pay for their groceries. Now they have six kids. So I was like, okay, Lord, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Through you, I guess. And um, I prayed with this lady and I said, hey, can I pay for your groceries? And she said, she, like she teared up and she said, yeah. And, and I also have a sore knee. And so I prayed for her knee as well. And then we're walking around the supermarket and she was just kind of putting like chips and noodles and raro and no fresh fruit and vegetables or nothing that would make a substantial meal for these kids. And my heart like just tugged again and I knew I had to say something and I said, I said, can I plan your meals for a week? And she said, sure. And so we went around and just got, just stuff that was real easy, spaghetti bolognese, you know, with some broccoli on the side, just fresh fruit and vegetables and and planned this meal for her. And she cried and she said, no one's ever taught me how to do that. I'm gonna cry. (laughs) And I just realized that paying for the groceries didn't matter, That, that was nothing. My money is God's money, so that doesn't, it's, it's done. What's done is done, you know. Um, the money didn't matter. What, what tugged for me and for her was that someone took time out of the rush of everything to actually just say, I want to help out, you know. Like she went to the supermarket faithful. I found out they actually go to a church down the road. And she went to a supermarket faithful that someone was going to provide for her. And that's what God did. But more than that, she had someone pray with her um, and felt the blessing of God in more than just financial ways. And uh, it just, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that if I don't have a testimony every week that I could share, maybe I'm not doing as good of a job of being a disciple of Christ as I could be doing. And so that's my challenge to you guys this week is, is if you can rock up on a Sunday with a testimony, doesn't mean you have to come up here and, and share it, a testimony of how you've shared the goodness of God, then you're walking in the, foot, in the footsteps of Christ because that's what Jesus did every day. And um, yeah, go be blessed, buy someone a coffee. You don't have to spend money on groceries. Just, just listen to that prompting in your heart and the goodness of God will be shared. Well done, it's fantastic. Yeah, we can all do something, eh? We can all do something. Why don't you jump up on your feet? We're going to carry on worshipping Jesus. Father, we open our hearts to you. Jesus, we put you in the centre of our attention right now and the things of the week, the things that have been bothering us, the perhaps racing of our minds tonight. We push that to the side. We take it off and we focus in on you. And you are worthy of all our praise. You're worthy of all glory, all honour. You deserve it all. And it's our privilege tonight to lift you up.
bring light to the darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord great are darkness you give hope you restore every heart that is broken great are you Lord it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise pour it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you only it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise to you
cross you caught it finished grace wonderful grace grace wonderful grace at the cross all of my sin is
covered. hearts to Jesus tonight perhaps you want to lift your hands to him even and take just a moment to contemplate grace one of the best definitions of grace is unmerited favour I love the message bible in Ephesians chapter 2 it says it's by God's grace he pours his goodness and his mercy out on us it says that if it was up to us we'd probably brag about it but actually we've got very little to do with it. We just have to receive it. to grace tonight, you know, like I've done too much wrong or you don't know what my life looks like. That is the point of grace. Accepted by God when we don't deserve to be. That is the point of grace. Every single one of us. No matter what. Why don't you say hello to two or three people as you want to prepare to take a seat or find a seat to sit on, whatever you're going to do. thrilled to have Ian and Judith with us tonight and one of the things I'm really excited about having Ian with us is that he thinks the way he thinks is the direction we're going as a church and so when he's building, he's building into the culture that we want to see develop and that culture is goodness, it's bringing the goodness of God to our city, to our nation, to the nations of the world and 
And the agency that God uses to bring that is the church. But it's not the four walls of the building. You and I are the church. And we are the agency that God uses to bring goodness into society. And this is the direction that Ian's going. And this is the direction we're going. So it's a really good partnership. So I'm absolutely thrilled to have Ian and Judith with us tonight. And why don't you come, Ian? Can you please give him a great big hand as he comes tonight? Good evening. You can do better than that. Good evening. Awesome to be with you again in Hamilton. It's about a year ago since I last was here. Loved that uh, weekend with you at the conference and uh, just been tracking of all the incredible things that you guys are doing as a church across the city and beyond. And I'm excited to feel that it seems to be a greater sense of ownership for the city in the body of Christ. I know as a church, you have done lots of things in terms of the Vision College, the um, Interconnect group that does social activity right across the city. That's fantastic. But what's particularly heartwarming for me is, is to begin to hear a test me like we heard tonight. How awesome was that? Because that's in the scope of everybody, listening to Jesus and just basically doing what Jesus wants us to do. That is pretty, pretty awesome. I, um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me, would you, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. While you're turning there, just to say that I have a number of resources that uh, will help you greatly. Will help you greatly. Um, after I've left, I'm just here for a short time and speak two, three, four times and whatever, but maybe some of the resources may help you. And there is one resource I call the Innovative Spirit. If those of you have a passion to be innovative and creative, and particularly in the business commercial world, you may find this series um, very helpful. I do a whole couple of hours on having an abundance mentality, that there is actually more than enough for everybody on the planet. Did you know there's enough money on the planet for every single person to have $10 million each, US dollars? Who wants theirs? <laughs> and so many times we get trapped in thinking of um, minimalistic thinking, but on here we begin to explore some of that, where it is to have a leadership mindset, where it is the power of synergy, that is you partnering with the vision of the church and how that actually makes a community impact. So that's there available. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak on a life topic tonight and that's called faith. And I have a whole series here on, on faith, um, 25, maybe 30 different stories with teaching that actually shows you how God can supernaturally intervene in your life, like He's intervened in our lives and in our ministry. And I think you'd find that not only instructive, but also inspiring. But probably, if you have enough faith, you don't need that. If you say, no, 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 I'm overdosed on faith, and I'm just, it's just ridiculous. I'm just absolutely swimming in faith. I don't Need, don't get it, okay, because it'll be a waste of money. But if you feel you need a little more, maybe that could be a blessing to you. And then for those of you that maybe are more 
um, happier with uh, CDs. There's uh, Transformation, How We Get the Kingdom of God into Hamilton, into your community, into your school, into the university, into the shopping center, into the mayor's office. That's good stuff. And then this series, you're walking in favor. How do you get the favor of God to come upon you? It's not by praying more. It's not by fasting more. It's not by reading the Bible more. It's not by attending church more. Wow. So how do you get it? Get the CD set and you'll find out. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then manifesting goodness. How do we get goodness out of our heart and into our lives and into the community? It's all there. Um, those CDs are 20 bucks each. If you buy all, the whole three, then you get three for 55. So... Trust that there'll be a help to you and a blessing to you and the profits from these help us to do what we're doing in Eastern Europe. We don't have time to talk about that tonight, but um, just a spearheading community transformation in some of the poorest communities in Europe, some with 98% unemployment. And so even if you don't like my speaking tonight, buy something and help a family in Eastern Europe. That'll be a good thing. So Hebrews chapter 11. It's probably one of my most favorite chapters in the whole of the Bible. I want to talk about faith and what is faith. Because oftentimes when we bring up this topic, particularly in Christian circles, people think, well, having faith is actually believing in those things that you know are not true. Other people think that having faith is on the same level as tooth fairies. Having faith is like having a Father Christmas somewhere up in the blue sky. Having faith is accepting non-rational thinking as something so spiritual, it must be faith-based. If you were confused by that statement, don't be surprised, but that's how people talk. Faith, faith is the life source that connects us to the purposes of God. The Bible says, the just shall live with their fingers crossed. The just shall live with a bit of luck. No, no, the just shall live by faith. We walk by faith, we pray in faith, we give by faith, we go in faith. Everything we do, the currency of heaven is faith. We can't do squat diddly anything without faith. Faith is the currency of the Christian life. So it's absolutely, utterly important that we understand what faith is and how faith works. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, this one, it says this, What is faith? It is the confident assurance of what we hope for is going to happen. It's going to happen. So I want to say four things about faith tonight, and we'll be out of here by 12 o'clock. Number one, faith is an attitude. Faith is an attitude by which we receive God's word into our hearts and faith responds readily to the promptings of God in accordance with what God has said to us. So when God spoke to the people of God, the uh, Israeli nation, God spoke to them and he said, you'll go in and possess the promised land. And, and the Bible says they kind of struggle with that. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 6, it says this, It still remains that some will enter the rest, but those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. So there are people in this room tonight that we have destiny on hold. 
Because there are staff that Jesus has said to you that for whatever reason you are deciding not to do it. It could be fear. It could be, it could be, it feels too big for you. It could be, wow, I've watched people do that and they fell flat. I'm not, I'm not going down that track. And, there's, and so there's a hold on destiny. There's a hold on, on you downloading goodness into your world. You see, it's possible to, to refuse faith. It's possible to refuse faith. These people, they had the word of the Lord that could have gone in and taken the promised land, but they refused faith. In fact, there are two words in the New Testament that uh, describes this word disobedience. The one word is called apistia, and that's tra translated 12 times as unbelief. But there's another word called apitheta, which means a stubborn refusal to believe and act. And it is this second verse that's found, second definition that is found in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 6 that says, they stubbornly refuse to do what God has said. How is it? You know what you should do. You're a little edgy about doing it. But is that going to stop you from doing it? Are you like these people who are refused in faith? Because it's possible to refuse faith, but then it's possible to receive faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, For by the grace of God given me, I say to you, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. So you have faith. Some people say, man, I need more faith. No, no, you have enough. And the only way you get more is by exercising the little bit of faith that you have because faith has muscle. And the more muscle you operate in faith, the more faith you get as you begin to operate that little bit of faith. You already have faith. Some years ago, I was traveling from Gdansk in northern Poland to Wrocław in southern Poland, and I had to change trains in a city called Poznan, which is right in the middle of Poland. And I got off there, and I had my bag and my suitcase, and, and I had a, had a short cup of Polish coffee, which is basically an excuse to drink liquid caffeine. So if there are any students here and you need an all-nighter, Polish coffee is it guaranteed you won't sleep for three days. Beautiful. My train came, I got my bag, got my briefcase, started walking. It's one of these trains that had a corridor and little rooms off it, and you had a pre-assigned seat, and I'm looking for my pre-assigned seat. And there's a bunch of guys coming this way, and they start bugging me and hassling me and shoving me around, and then they carry on, and then I get to where I'm going to sit, and I go to check for my wallet, and they had pickpocketed me. It was a scam, and so... I start shouting out, I've been robbed! I've been robbed! I've been robbed! I've been robbed! And nobody is taking a blind bit of notice. Maybe they don't understand a Welshman screaming in English from the middle of Poland. Eventually the ticket lady turns up and I tried to communicate with Anchetta, an assistant who spoke quite good English, and I explained what had happened and she said, well, how long ago was that? I said, it's only about four minutes. 
She says, oh, if it's that long ago. Those boys have long gone. And I stood, stood there wondering what the heck am I going to do? And she said, so I said, look, I don't even have a ticket to travel on this plane, on this train now. She says, look, when you get to Vratswell, there's a police station. Go and report it there and maybe they can help you. So I'm, I'm standing there and I'm not, I'm not feeling the joy of the Lord. 200 US dollars is gone, all my credit cards are gone, my passport's gone, my plane ticket's gone, my train ticket's gone. And inside, I hear Jesus say, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are blessed. And of course, I've learned a long time ago, it's actually to your advantage to agree with God. <laughs> he normally wins. And so I said, I am blessed. Yes, God, I'm not enjoying what's happening, but I am blessed. I am going to heaven. My past has been sorted. And as I begin to confess the word, as I begin to speak the word out, there becomes atmospheric change around me, atmospheric change. And I get this surge of faith on the inside. I says, Jesus, you know where my wallet is. You know where those boys who stole that wallet. You could send the archangel Gabriel down from heaven, beat them up in the name of Jesus. Now, I know that you wouldn't think like that because you're a good Christian. I'm only a missionary. Give me a break. Okay. I says, God, you know where that wallet is. You can get that wallet for me, Jesus. As I look down the corridor of the train, there is a guy coming towards me, carrying something that looks like my wallet. And as I'm looking, I'm going, mate, that's my wallet. Not sure if he spoke any English. He did actually speak some English. He says, very bad news. He says, why bad news? He says, no money in you, you cannot buy me beer. <laughs> he gave me the wallet, I looked inside. There was my credit cards. There was my passport. There was my train ticket. There was my plane ticket. The only thing that was missing was 200 US dollars. Do you know what? It's impossible. It's impossible to exercise vibrant faith and have a negative attitude. It's impossible. And you have to start, however ugly your situation is, however difficult it is, however painful it is, you have to start, with, at this point, with God, all things are impossible. Things look utterly impossible to me, but I'm not on my own. With God, all things are possible. And faith is an attitude. Secondly, faith is an action. Faith is never passive. Faith is always active. The Apostle James said this in James chapter 2 and verse 17 and 18. In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without your deeds and I will show you my faith by what I do. 
Faith is never passive. Faith will make you do something. If you have faith, you will do something. You won't start a committee. You won't start a discussion group. You won't start a planning group. Faith makes you do something. You see, when, uh, when I start talking on this, people say, well, what about that passage in the Old Testament where, where you know, they say, look, stand still and see the salvation of God. They, no, no, they weren't standing there passively. They weren't standing there with inertia. They weren't standing there panicking. They were standing there and says, God, we don't know how you are going to do what you're going to do. We don't know how you're going to wipe out the Amalekites. We don't know how, what, how you're going to do this. But, Lord, we are trusting in you that you're our source and you're our deliverance. And faith does that. Faith does that. Faith in action Puts God to action. Have you got that? Faith in action put God to action. And there are three conditions for faith working. If, if you don't have a pen, okay, bite the end of your finger, make sure blood comes out, and write on the person's shirt in front of you. Because this you will never want to forget. Faith has three conditions. First, what did God say? So faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. So faith comes to us in all kinds of ways. Sometimes faith comes as we read the Bible. Sometimes we get a text, we get a verse, it means something to us. Sometimes we feel a deep impression on the inside. Some people get a picture. So first of all, what has God said? And when you understand what God has said, it becomes a presumption to go beyond what God has said. And it becomes unbelief not to go as far as God has said. And it's a disobedience to go against what God has said. So the first gig is, what did God say? What did God say? The second thing is this. We then haven't understood what God said. We then have to become obedient. So go back to the illustration. Go back to the testament tonight. The young ladies in the supermarket, God says... By the food. Oh. Is there someone else that can buy it? I don't want to be that blessed that much. No, no. It was clear what she had to do. She actually knew what she had. It wasn't fuzzy. It wasn't flaky. It wasn't weird. It was clear. And once you get that level of clarity, then you have to become obedient to what God has said. You have to do what God has said. You can fuss around with it. You can play with it. You can toss it around. You can bounce it off a few friends. But in the end, you've got to do what God said you should do. Some years ago, we were planting churches in Serbia with uh, some Roma people, gypsy people, and and um, there is a fairly challenging situation. They're reasonably illiterate. Anyway, we, we, we got a group of seven or eight uh, couples to go and plant churches. And one couple we sent uh, just south of a city called Leskovac. And they went to this community. And as far as we know, there were no known Christians in this community. And so the brother just went round. He sat in coffee shops talking to people. Eventually, after... Three weeks, he finds Miro, the church planter. He'll come up here in a moment. Miro, the church planter, is the guy right in the middle. Miro, the church planter, knocks, bumps into the guy on the far 
right-hand side, or yeah, right-hand side view. Uh, his name is Vlad. And over two or three days, he's talking to Vlad. And Vlad gives his life to Jesus. And as far as we know, he's the first Christian in that town. Amazing, amazing. But Vlad, we've told Vlad that, that we believe in household salvations. It's good to get one saved, but we're actually believing for the whole house. So somehow, you have to get to his housemate and, and lead the whole family to Jesus. So Vlad invites him to his house and wife's a bit nervous. Anyway, after two, three days, his wife comes to the Lord, his kids come to the Lord, and Vlad has, Vlad has been off work for some time because he has emphysema in his lungs, he can hardly breathe, and so our church planter knows what God has said about healing. He says, by your stripes you are healed. I, you, know, you know, I need to just pray for you, Vlad. He said, well, I've been to the doctors in Belgrade and they can't help me. No, 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 we've not been to Dr. Jesus yet. So they prayed for him. The power of God goes through his body. He's immediately, instantaneously, supernaturally healed by the power of God. Fantastic. He says, God, so I run up and down the street. He's running up. Fantastic. So we say, okay, Vlad, so there's no reason why you can't go back to work now. Let's, let's pray that God will get you a job. He says, oh, that won't work. He says, why is that? It was not long after the Serbian war and... And um, he says, look, we have 95% unemployment in our city. I'm a, I'm a Roma. I'm a gypsy. The last person that's going to get a job is me because of the racial prejudice. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. God, he's got a fantastic job agency. Let's pray. So they prayed for three days. Knock came on Vlad's door. It's actually the middle manager from the previous factory that he worked at. He says, Vlad, we... We, we hear you're feeling a bit better. He says, I'm not. He says, I'm feeling utterly fantastic. I've been healed by the power of God. He says, well, the big boss of the factory says, well, you've been off this last eight months. We've found nobody who can do your job as good as you. He's wondering, would you like your job back? Come on, how unlucky is that? Come on, give God praise. <laughs> then... Then Vlad's little grandson there, Daniel, he was born 85% deaf and dumb. So the church planter knows what God has said, and God says that we're to heal the sick. And so he says, you know, we need to pray for Daniel. So, oh, we've been to all the specialists, they can't help him. No, 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 we've not been to the specialist Jesus yet. Let's have a day of prayer, and, let's have three days of prayer and fasting. So they prayed and fasted for three days. They laid hands on this little boy. Nothing. I had a day off. Another day of three days of prayer and fast. At the end of those three days of prayer and fast, and they started to pray for little Daniel, and something popped in his ears. And because something popped, he could hear. And because he could hear, he could recite what he was hearing. Six weeks later, when one of our workers, John Smith, went down to see the family, they taught him a little bit of English. And, and Daniel says... My name is Daniel. I've been healed by the power of Jesus. Come on, give Jesus praise. It's not how much you know. It's what you're going to do with what you know. Have you got that? It's not how much you know. So some of you have 
dreams. Some of you have plans. We've been talking about community transformation. Some of you have been thinking what you can do with single mums. Now is the time to start. Some of you have been thinking, wow, how do, I, how do I disciple up? How do I influence my boss? Well, the way that you're going to influence your boss is by serving him. Have a servant heart, not a critical spirit, but by serving him. And do your job excellently. That will immediately give you influence with your boss. And we take a bit of faith. Oh, man, you don't know my boss. No, no, but I do know Jesus. I do know Jesus, and he's pretty awesome. Stop putting obstacles where Jesus has removed them. So, one, what did God say? We become obedient. And number three, we continue in our faith. Faith is not something in which we begin and then, then with the rebuff of unchanged circumstances, we discontinue. The moment you exercise faith is the moment you can be sure there will be resistance to moving forward. You would have thought, okay, I've got faith, I've got the word of the Lord, I'm going to be obedient. It's a dream from now on in. You would be quite mistaken. There is always resistance to faith. The enemy attacks faith. See, faith is a continuation in the conviction of what God has told us to do. That he will perform his promises... Despite our apparent contradictions, he will perform what he said he will do. And so we have a vision for Hamilton and this whole area. And we're expecting the kingdom of God to come. We're expecting the manif not just the manifest presence of God. We're expecting the values of heaven to be actually incarcerated into the culture of this city. That's what we're thinking. So my gosh, I want to come here to sing a few songs. No, 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 no. Jesus is interested in taking over. <laughs> See, because we belong to a kingdom and every king has a lord. Okay? And he is lord of the whole earth and he is wanting to take lordship in this city of Hamilton. And he does that through us personally, and he does it through vicariously through us as we begin to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ. So we discover his rule and reign comes to us, and we become conduits for his kingdom to expand right across the city. Hebrews 6 and verse 12 says this, We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherited what has been promised. Let me tell you this. If you're going to move in faith, it takes faith and it takes patience. Faith by itself doesn't work. You need faith and patience or endurance, one translation says. So we were planting 14 churches in southern Poland and we were interviewing potential church planters and there was, there was a guy who came to be interviewed and his name was... Uh, Daniel Volkovich. And Daniel Volkovich uh, lived in the northern part of the uh, country, and somehow he felt attached to us, to the vision, and he said, you know, I feel I need to be a part of you. The cash was such, he really needed to sell his apartment in northern Poland if he could join the project, because we didn't have enough money for his rent and to pay, uh, feed his family. And so he says, look, I want you to pray with me that my, my apartment would be sold in northern Poland. 
I've been trying to sell it for seven years. And at the moment, I've not had one single viewing. Houston, we have a problem. We need a house doctor <laughs> to fix up that apartment. So we begin to pray. And so he says, no, I'm, I'm not going to... I am not going to eat until my apartment is sold. Wow. Well, I'm pretty encouraged by that spunkiness, but I'm thinking, Blinkenek, how serious is this boy? Three days, nothing. Five days, nothing. Eight days, nothing. Ten days, nothing. Fourteen days, nothing. Eighteen days, nothing. Twenty-one days, praying and fasting, nothing. Well, of course, you need to quit then, don't you? Like 21 is, that's a bit serious, isn't it? I mean, it, like it's really hard to find any biblical data to go beyond 21 days. It's, that's really difficult, that is. So you could reason yourself out of that. No, no, Dan said, no, no, I'm not quitting. 25 days, nothing. 30 days, nothing. 31 days, nothing. 32 days. On the 32nd day of his fast, God sold his apartment for a honking load of money. So much money that when he moved down south, he didn't buy an apartment, he bought a redundant primary school. <laughs> now at that time, he had four children, he's got eight now. I'm not sure if he was starting a school or planting a church, but you know. <laughs> so at the one end of the primary school, he kind of made like an apartment and a place to live, and then he had the school hall, and that was where he's going to be his outreaches from. And so... He's not in the city long. He's in there about, I don't know, 30 days. And as he's looking around, he finds there's a lot of detached, homeless people. And so he starts to open a soup kitchen. And of course, he doesn't have, an, he doesn't have a license for that. He doesn't have a license to serve food. And so the mayor himself comes. After about three weeks, the mayor himself comes to the primary school, to the outreach center. And he says, uh, Mr. Volkovich, yeah, that's me, he says. Do you know what you're doing is absolutely illegal? He says, illegal? Like helping people. I mean, that's illegal. He says, I like your spirit, Daniel. I like your spirit. What you're doing is illegal, but I'm going to make it legal. I'm going to give you a license that you can do this. But there's some conditions with the license. The, our government, our local government, we have money to to feed these people. If you're prepared to open this soup kitchen five days a week, I'm prepared, to, I'm prepared to pay for it five days a week. Like, how lucky is that? Look, you have to understand, this is, this is a Catholic country, a Catholic government sponsoring a Protestant church plant. So that goes on, and, and the... In Poland, the mayors get together twice a year for like three days at a time. It's a bit of a booze up and a party, you know. And so they kind of go there. And, and Daniel's mayor is kind of like being very braggadocious about Daniel. And Daniel doesn't know if he's just trying to wind everybody up or what. But Daniel starts getting all these phone calls from all over Poland. What you done in your city? Can you come and do in our city? I don't know. So he goes, cut a long story short. After 18 months, he's planted 32 churches Paid for by the Polish government. Come on, give Jesus praise. He's got some level of notoriety. 
that the, that the Norwegian government start calling him saying, can you come and help us how we deal with homeless people? He becomes a consultant to the Norwegian government on how you deal with homeless people because he's got 32 centers across Poland. Come on, give Jesus praise. I'm not adding, I'm not adding the 32 days and the 32 locations together. That, just, that could just be, you know, lucky. But anyway, it's fantastic. But see, what happens is this. See, some of us pull out too soon. We pull out too soon. We get inspired. We get encouraged. We, we, and then it gets a bit hard. And then it gets a bit difficult. And then we feel a little, inc- and we want to quit. No, 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 no. And there's some people that have quit. You've quit with what God has told you to do. God told you to do some stuff when I was here 12 months ago. And you started out and now you quit. And God says, no way. No way. Get up off your rear end. Have a good fart and go forward. I mean, that's the, <laughs> it's like, that's the, the word of the Lord, that is. That's the word of the Lord. Faith demands action. Thirdly, faith is an an agreement. Jesus said this again, I tell you, two of you shall agree on earth about anything that shall be done by my Father in heaven. Jesus didn't play around with words. He says if two of you agree, it doesn't mean intellectually agree. It means if there's harmony in your inner life with another person, this shall be done. We are sensing this is what God wants. We want the homeless to be cared for. We want, we want goodness to come to our city. We want the life and kindness of God to be found in our high school. We want, we want that. And there's an agreement. The Bible says it shall be done by my Father in heaven. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Jesus Christ. Did you know you can have negative faith and positive faith? Some, some people believe it's never going to happen, and it's working. They go, oh, no, 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 that's never going to happen. Pray. Don't get discouraged because it's working. It's not happening. You've got faith to believe it wouldn't happen, and it's not happening. That's fantastic. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In number 13, 12 spies went into the land, 10 came back with a negative report. This man, it's not possible. We can't go in there and conquer those guys. I mean, the flipping, the flipping walls, they're so honking huge. Just absolutely ridiculous, those walls. And the people live there. I mean, we just, we stand up straight and we're just up to their kneecaps. And unbelief tends to exaggerate badness. And they said, we can't do it. And they were right. They couldn't do it. But Caleb and Joshua says, boys, we should go in. It'll be like breakfast for us. We can do this. It's absolutely flipping, honking, much easier than you thought. We just have to go forward in the name of the Lord. What, what do you believe in? Are you believing you can't or are you believing you can There's no middle ground here, okay? You believe you can or you believe you can't? Whatsoever we believe, we're going to get. Whatsoever we believe, we're going to get. Then fourthly, and I, I probably need to shut down soon, but faith is an assurance. 
The Bible says this in Hebrews 10 and verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a full assurance of faith. Our hearts sprinkled, sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Faith does not allow any doubt to achieve its objective. Faith torpedoes unbelief. Faith, when spoken out of the mouth, defeats unbelief. So in Romans chapter 4 and verse 19, it says, Without faith, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. This is Abraham talking. He's, he's almost 100 years old. Okay? He says, my body is dead. He's got the promise. Sarah's going to have a baby. He said, oh my gosh, I'm dead. I'm like a you know, dried up banana. And he says, my wife, she's not much better. Like, she's not much better. She's like a dried up prune. I mean, oh my gosh. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he promised. Some years ago, I worked for a youth organization in England, and they had a policy that they would pay you very little so that you would absolutely live by faith, like most denominations do that. And so... The car that I had died. It had absolutely died. Like I laid hands on it, took authority over it, cursed it, blessed it, anointed it, and pushed it to the garage. It was over. It was going to car land, car heaven. Anyway, so I go to the meeting with the guys, and I know they got no money, and I only got a little bit of money, and we're talking there. And one of the guys in the room says, you know, Ian, you know, you can import a car from, in, from uh, Belgium now, and because of the tax situation, it's 25% cheaper. A brand new car, 25% cheaper than it is in the UK. Why didn't you do that? So how much is that? And so he told me, and it, was, it, it wasn't expensive, but it was equal to two years' salary. It was only sounded expensive because my salary was so low. So it's about two years' salary. And I thought, I don't mind fasting, but fasting for 24 months, that really feels extreme, you know. <laughs> Anyway, I'd go away from the meeting. I'm in a borrowed car, and I'm driving away. And I'm saying, gee, what do you think about this car business? What do you think about this car business? And Jesus says, go for it. Go for it. How can I flip and go for it? Go for it, he says. Well, I can't shake this feeling off. So after three days, I ring up my friend Brian. I said, Brian, I think I, I, think I want to do that car business. He says, okay. He says, I need a 25% deposit, which in those days then was about 1,000 pounds. That's like nearly 2,500 Dollars. That was a lot of money for me. I'd kind of been beating up old ladies, taking their, shot, taking their purses, and, and managed to collect a bit of cash. And so I was going to get this bit of cash and put it against a little better wreck and wherever. Anyway, so I sent him the money. And then about 10 weeks later, he rings me up. He says, the car is ready to be delivered in. I need the remaining amount of money, which was, which was 18 months' wages. So just translate that in your head, 18 months' wages. So I, I don't have any money. I better explain what that means. Because some people, no, no, not yet, not yet, don't play yet, just not yet, not yet. I'll give you a thumbs up when. I should get a bed, get a bed, get a pillow, lie down, it'll be fine. So when I say I got no money, it means this, it means I got no money. 
Some people say when they've got no money, it means they've not been to the ATM. Some people say, no, I've got no money. It's all tied up in stocks and shares. I've got no money, it's all tied up in property, whatever. When I say I've got no money, I've got no money. So I say to Brian on the phone, look, I'll bring you the money on Sunday. And I was just, I was just buying time. I said, look, we're preaching together all the weekend. And that weekend I preached at this, this church four or five years. Every message I preached was on faith. It was for my benefit. <laughs> we come to the end of the service, end of the weekend. We go to the pastor's office. I pull out my checkbook. I nervously write in this check 3,000 pounds. I'm not telling him there's no money there, okay? I thought, no, he can have fun too. <laughs> I give him the check. I'm driving home in a borrowed car. And the devil gets on my shoulder, he goes, man, that was a bit, that was a bit dodgy what you did tonight. That's, that was a bit deceptive, that's, that's fraud. People go to jail for fraud. Jail, fraud. I'm not like the Apostle Paul, I don't like writing letters, I don't want to be going to jail. <laughs> And it was really, whoa, it was just on me. And I was, and then I felt inside, God said, but I told you to go for it. He says, flipping heck, Lord, you did. You told me to go for it. And if I'm going to jail, you are coming too. <laughs> That's the deal. We're not going to jail. Anyway, cut a long story short, I got home. Didn't tell anybody my need. I had some weird things happen. People started stuffing money under my apartment door. I never had that before. People came to me at the end of a service like this with a whack of dosh in their answers of feeling God's telling me to give, cut along. After two weeks, 3,000 pounds to the penny came in. I banked it as quick as I could, okay? And then I left it a few days, and then I rang Brian up. I said, hey, Brian, what's going on with this car, mate? He says, oh, it's a bit embarrassing. It's really embarrassing, mate. I says, why is that? He says, you know that check you give me? I lost it. <laughs> I nearly rang you out for another check. I thought, oh, I'm glad he didn't praise the Lord. <laughs> he says, I put it in my inside pocket, and I had a hole in my inside pocket, and it slipped down into my lining, and I only found it yesterday. What do you think? Jesus lost the check for my benefit. What do you think? <laughs> Come on, how lucky is that? Give God praise. The Bible says this, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead. Now, so the impossibility that you face in community transformation, in seeing the kingdom of God come to your home, come to your family, come to your school, come to your street, come to your building, come to, come to some horrible activity in the city, the, the impossibility of faith, the, impos the impossibility of this could ever change. His body was as good as dead. He was 100 years old. Sarah's womb was also dead. But the Bible says he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God. How do, how do you not waver? How do you not waver when it's all going wrong, when it's all going bad, when it's all going ugly? Well, how do you do? He says, but he was strengthened in his faith. Well, how did he do that? He, the Bible says he gave glory to God. You see, when we're in the, when we're in the field of faith, and all the enemy has thrown all that he can, doubt, unbelief, disaster, chaos, and difficulty. We start giving glory to God. We start saying, God, I remember. 
I remember that answer to prayer, God. I remember when you filled me with the Holy Ghost. I remember, God, when we had no food and a box of food turned up on our doorstep. God, I remember that, Jesus. I remember that lady who had one blind eye when we were in India and we prayed for her and she instantly healed. And I remember that, Jesus. And I, you start giving glory to God. How long? How long? How long do you give glory to God for? Five minutes? Ten minutes? One hour? Three hours? No, no, no. You give glory to God until you become fully persuaded. You become, you give glory to God until you become fully persuaded that God's got the power. God, you can see the text? God's got the power. I said God's got the power. Did you hear me? I said, God's got the power. I said, God's got the power. I'm saying God's got the power. God's got what? God's got what? God's got what? God's got the power to do what he promised. Now he needs healing. So I believe God's got the power. Do you believe God's got the power? I said, do you believe God's got the power? God's got the power. God's got the power. To do what? To do the utter and complete, remarkable and impossible. God's got the power. If you have an impossibility, and only if you have an impossibility, stand with me right now. You have a dream that seems like an impossibility. God's got the power. I said, God's got the power. I said, God's got the power. There are times we have to be indignant in our faith. God's got the power. The old hymn said this, faith laughs at impossibilities and says, it will be done. Now have a good laugh. Get that picture in your head of the impossibility and start laughing. Come on, start Start laughing. That is so flipping ridiculous for the God of the whole universe. <laughs> and you thought you were going to stop me, what a joke. <laughs> the God who said, let there be light, and 93 million miles away, the sun appeared. That God, he's on, he's on me. He's in me. He's for me. He's gone before me. He's behind me. He's working to, to, to bring glory to himself through my life. There's not an impossibility in this room. There's just an opportunity. Say, Jesus. I thank you for this opportunity. Come on. Jesus, I thank you for this, in, this opportunity. I thank you for this opportunity. God's got the power. God's got the power. God's got the power to do what he promised. Can okay, receive it right now. There's faith. There's faith flowing right now into your spirit. There's faith. Come on, there's faith. Just take it. Take it. I said take it. Take it. Don't, don't go neutral. Don't turn your mind into space mode. No, no, no. Begin to take by faith the faith that God has already put within you. Begin to, begin to picture that impossibility vanishing, that difficulty going, that situation changing, that unsaved, that unsaved husband coming to Christ, that unsaved mother coming to Christ, that school situation that seems impossible. It has the black mark of the education authority, but God's going to come with his power. He's going to transform that whole situation in your factory where everybody blasphemes. They, they have naked pictures of women on the wall. You go, oh my God, is that possible? That you could, yeah, 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 you're the God. You're the God of the impossible. 
With God, all things are possible. He's got the power. He's got the power to bring the change. He's got the power to bring the change. So, Father, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In every life standing as it is in heaven. For the power and glory of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, we can play. Look, if you want more stuff like that, pick up one of those things. It's going to help you. It's going to make you into a normal Christian, and that could be scary, because normal Christians live by faith, even when, even when they're on a salary. God bless you in Jesus' name. That is a great word for us to take hold of. Fantastic word. Look, as we finish tonight, we are going to receive an offering. I know we don't normally receive them in our services, and I do encourage you as you leave to the left of the doors, please uh, visit the giving stations. We believe in giving purposefully, and that's what I'd like and encourage you to do as you leave. And um, Actually, the numbers, the money's not been that flash the last few weeks, so we really do need to give purposely as we leave. But tonight I want to receive an offering and um, for Ian and Judith. They live by faith. And as they leave us, I want to be able to bless them very generously personally. And also I want us as a church to be able to give a generous gift to the foundation that's doing the work in Europe. So can I encourage you to perhaps prepare yourself now and uh, just hold the bags for a moment. We'll pray and then we'll receive an offering. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the challenge tonight. Father, I ask that what we have heard tonight would stick. And that when we leave the building, when we leave the premise, we won't just move on to the next thing, but you would take hold of our hearts. You would take hold of our spirit. You would stir deeply so that we cannot simply dismiss that was a great weekend and move on to the week. But Father, what you've planted this weekend would fuel our week. And it would not only fuel our week, but it would fuel our month, it would fuel our year, it would fuel the rest of our lives and direct us toward your paths. Father, let dreams take root. I just want to tell you a testimony because I'm talking to someone tonight now. When I was about 20 years ago, God placed a picture in my heart of the community of faith we'd one day be involved with. And I said, Lord, that's impossible. And he said to me, no, it's not. And I said, okay. And then as the years have gone by, I'm far from seeing what I saw. Far from seeing. And as the years have gone by, every now and then, probably four times in the last 20 years, I've dropped the vision that God showed me. I've put it down and I've just said, that is too hard. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. I'm working my tail off and it's not happening. You know, every single time that I put it down, some random person generally that I didn't know 
came up to me and prophesied over me. They said, God has showed you something. Pick it back up and don't put it down. So these days I live with it in my heart. I know it's impossible. I know I cannot do it on my own, which is good because God will get the glory because there's no way I'm clever enough. But I know in the, in the pit of my being, I know it's going to happen. I don't even question it anymore. I just hold it here because God will bring it about. Now, I'm talking to someone tonight specifically, more than one actually, and God has shown you very, very clearly a dream and you've laid it down. And tonight he says, pick it back up. It was God. Pick it back up and hold on to it. Foster it. Pick it back up. Father, I pray that as we hold dreams tonight, as we submit them to you, that you would seal them within our spirits. Father, I declare this church is a church of the impossible, that these people are people of the impossible. We are people of faith. And Lord, our desire is to see you show up and show off for your glory and for the sake of our city and our nation give it all to you in Jesus name Amen Amen well can we uh, receive that offering it would be fantastic thank you thanks for coming out I pray God's blessing on you this week that wherever you are whenever you're there you will be like Jesus what's happening tonight with young adults young adults are going to Mavis and Co if you don't know where that is um, just see Peter he'll tell you where to go if you're new and you want to connect see Peter he'll tell you where to go he'll hook you up with a few people. Have a fantastic week. Thanks for coming out tonight. And thanks again to Ian and Judith for being with us this weekend.
Sunday.